Hey everyone, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. We've been taking your questions for a giant mail bag of Palooza, and we are ready to unload that thing. That's next on Locked On Lakers. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Lockdown Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast, always free and never behind a paywall. Uh, and Lockdown Lakers, make, lock, make another Locked On podcast your second listen of every day. Make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Lakers on YouTube to see the show, see everything, including our surroundings today as we are live at the Dewar Store, 170 South La Brea. We've been talking about this for a long time on the show. Um, Look at this stuff. It's amazing. Look at this. Questions. Getting you ready for it so you could see the clothes that we've been talking Soft, about. Soft, luxurious. Uh, we'll be doing one more drawing over the course of the show to give away a little bit more of the Dewar Prize packs. And I've uh, got a Ticketmaster, I believe, gift card to, to throw in there as well. So uh, make sure you're listening for that. Um, so let's, let's dive into this because we've got a ton of great questions to answer over the course of, of our mailbag episode. Um, we'll start with a couple here that are, that are kind of related. Uh, and this is two cam brothers from metal hoops head at, um, uh, you know, on Twitter who asks if the Lakers were to wave and stretch Westbrook, what type of opportunities would that create for them to improve their roster related to that is a question from Martin Hall, one of our winners, by the way, of the, uh, the, the prize pack for doer is anyone really kidding themselves that AD and LeBron can be anything other than colossal at both ends of the court for this team to get anywhere near the playoffs. Now, and this is all, by the way, too linked some recent news from Sham Sharania, the athletic, he was on Rich Eisen's show. And he said that he would expect the Lakers to continue, to continue to look at the marketplace to make the team better. And, you know, I don't think there's a concerted effort to move Russell Westbrook. I think the concerted effort is, quote, can we make a deal with certain players on the roster with the picks that we have to improve this team? So in other words, they're not looking to just move Russell Westbrook, according to Shams, for the sake of moving him, like just at all. Well, they, certainly, they you know post Patrick Beverly trade, the speculation is that they would they would do that with a little bit more of a degree of urgency because they hate each other because they hate each other because right. they really cannot be in the same room together. Like it's actually it's a bad idea. Well, it's perhaps dangerous. It might be. Like, um, you know, Kendrick Perkins actually last week called them the most dangerous backcourt, potentially the most dangerous backcourt in the NBA this well, year. He did not specify dangerous to who. Well, this was my favorite part. Kendrick Perkins actually said that they wouldn't just be the most defensive. I mean, the the most dangerous backcourt, Brian. He said the most dangerous defensive backcourt. It's like again, dangerous to who? What fans may look at that from Shams. There's no concerted effort to trade Russ. And uh, oh my God, what if like they're they're going to go? It's the same. It is another version of the same thing because the Lakers are they, like everybody knows what they can do to trade him. It is the same setup as they had before. It's the same situation that they had before. They're going to try to trade Russell Westbrook. They don't have a lot of control over whether or not that can be done, other than the Indiana deal. So you know it's. It comes down to, you know, to get to Martin's question, is anybody kidding themselves that they have to be colossal at both ends for this team to get near the playoffs? They're closer with the Beverly deal. You know, you like it, you don't like it. 
or whatever, um, you know, the giving up on THD, whatever it might be, they are closer than they were before. But yeah, those guys are going to have to be monsters, and that's they, need, always, and they, they need, need to get better. The, the roster needs to get better. That's always been the case. I mean, the the example that we use a lot is LeBron and AD, obviously healthy. That is as good of a one-two punch as any team in the league can offer. If those guys are both available regularly, if they're both playing, particularly Anthony Davis, at the top of their games, they're going to be as good as anyone in the league and as far as your starting duo. But the gap between AD and whoever you think is the third best player on the Lakers, Russell Westbrook as it currently stands, Buddy Heald in a potential trade, Miles Turner in a potential trade, Kendrick Nunn, whoever, the gap between that two and three is considerably bigger than a lot of other contending teams, their number two and their number three. So it's and, always, and the, the bigger problem with that is the gap between the three and the four at this sure. point is even bigger. So it's always going to have created an urgency for for LeBron and AD to play at a, at a really high level. The other uh, question there, um, what advantage would it give for the Lakers to stretch Russell Westbrook? The answer is none. At this point, stretching Russell Westbrook is point. It's well, it 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 creates a roster spot, but they have that. I mean, you know, they they just picked up a you know, they gained an additional roster spot with the Patrick Beverly deal. That there's nobody out there. Well, and so I mean, if you're looking for ways to improve the team through empty space, empty roster spots, it doesn't exist. the The only potential, I guess, usefulness in that comes with stretching Westbrook from that perspective is it it opens up a, a roster spot, except you'd be opening it up by trading if, him. If you're going to, well, if you're going to be doing that, just wave Russell Westbrook, eat the $47 million now and create a roster spot that way. Don't create more cap complications. Right. There's no there's no use for that exactly. cap space. So, it, does not, it does not do you any good right now. But, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, this, this report reflects everything. Like, the Lakers are very aware of what needs to happen for them to contend and we'll talk a little bit about the miles turner trade where you had some questions about that and all that stuff as the show goes along but like it's they're not good enough and you know the the you know martin asked actually another question um why you know why have they they sort of settled into this strategy of signing short-term deals with role players that don't hold their bird rights and all that's not a strategy that's a result of what they've been doing before it is it's fallout it's not that's not design where you say there's an advantage to doing it this way where we constantly have this churn of one year contracts. This is what, this is the situation they put themselves in after they made the Westbrook trade. Yeah. I, I was going to say it's been accelerated by the Westbrook deal, but I think it's indicative in certain respects of a franchise ethos that isn't really about building big picture or that puts tremendous value on role players. It's about getting securing stars and then figuring out the rest around them as needed. Like the closest thing they came to a structure that put a relative premium on role players was during the 2020 title season. But remember, the original plan was Kawhi Leonard as a third star. Like they didn't go into it with the idea of we think two stars and really high-end role players around them is the best way to win a uh, to win a championship. This was the deal that they ended up getting moved into once Kawhi Leonard joined the Clippers. So it just it's it is in part their ethos and that ethos has been moved into the extreme because of the Westbrook deal just tying their hands with options. Um let's take this one from Ryan at uh 
I that's a hard one. Dodger AS Ryan. Okay, that makes sense. Um uh, kind of related to the roster. Would you like to what would you like to see from Max Christie this year to solidify the idea that he will be a solid NBA level player? What is a reasonable expectation from him this year? If I see Max Christie, things have gone horribly wrong. <laughs> I don't want to see Max well, Christie anywhere other than playing with the South Bay Lakers. And I would like to see him shoot the ball well at the South Bay Lakers. I would like to see him uh, defend with the South Bay Lakers. If I see him trying to do any of those things with the actual Los Angeles Lakers, I am going to guess that things have gone off the rails in a big way. Well, either they've gone off the rails or they've gone exceptionally well. Exceptionally well. Like, it's one or the other. It becomes the single greatest story in the NBA in 2022 It's it's like in 2008 when you would see Sun Yue on the court. That generally meant things were going really, really well. He shouldn't shouldn't be active. He shouldn't be available. He should be in... You know, 90% of the time, because if he, if they need him to be hanging around on game day rosters, they don't have enough good players. Sure. The yeah. Austin Reeves thing last year, and I, you know, I think maybe that's connected to a lot of how people kind of think about this. The Austin Reeves things last, last year was it turned into a good story. It's like, look, we got a good player here. It, it shouldn't have happened. Sure. It was a bad thing that Austin Reeves got to play as much as he did. That's fine. But just I just want to make sure that we point out the other possibility, which is the Lakers are just destroying so the rest good. of the league. Right. And it's and, so and he turned out to be so good that you just can't keep him on the honestly. Bench. If they're destroying the league, it doesn't matter if Max Christie sucks. It's but it could, but it could mean they solved their problems. Let's let's keep that possibility. The optimism open. episode, Andy, was last week. We did I, two of those, and I know, but no, whatever. Um, all right, so you are no fun whatsoever. I I, I can't lie to people. <laughs> I, 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 I not I, surrounded I by this, all this fabulous merchandise. I will play it out people. as far as I can, but I cannot lie to people. Um, all right, let's take a quick. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll come back with uh, after the break with some questions, including somebody a live uh, uh, locked on Lakers listener slash viewer uh, who's here at the Doer store who has some questions about how the Lakers might improve and what it would look like. So we'll get to that next. So you're hanging out with some friends and putting back some drinks. A few becomes few too many, and the evening comes to an end. People start to head out, and you think of calling for a ride, and it's like, nah, you know what? I live nearby. I I think I can make it home. It's no big deal. And, you know, what are the odds that you're going to get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst thing that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You you injure someone else. You kill someone else. You can see where this is going. Everybody knows about the risks of drunk driving. And the results are tragic. They're often deadly. And that still, however, doesn't stop people from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. And that's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads. It's to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, plan ahead, get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Uh, we've been talking about doer clothing for, you know, the last couple months and you can see it behind us. Um, Hopefully you get an idea of what the stuff looks like, why we like it so much. And, you know, it is lifestyle clothing that matches your lifestyle, fabrics that are soft, they're supple. You can see Andy kind of hugging them in ways that I'm not sure they'd appreciate. People well, it's too late now. I already did it. Do people want clothes that you've rubbed your face on? Laker <laughs> fans do. 
Um, but you know, what, part of what I like about the, the, the clothes at doer is that they are staple items. They're stuff that you can wear anywhere. You can do anything with, and you can take the rest of your wardrobe and you can match it to the doer clothes. We are wearing doer we as we speak right now, clothes, as we speak. Um, you know, I've got, uh, the live free adventure pants. I've got the no sweat jogger. I've got this polo that I'm wearing right now and it's all super comfortable. Uh, it is super simple. It is super easy to, to wear every day and so whether the you're behind you with the great butt that's doer that's doer. that that actually, is doer. That guy's butt before he put those clothes on looked terrible oh it, it was unsightly um but so it's uh it's it's performance clothing that's very simple so whether you're in los angeles 170 south la brea in the mid wilshire area you stop in you can try the stuff on or you do it online at shopdoer.com however you do it use our uh exclusive code locked on 15 get yourself 15 percent off on anything that you buy again 170 south la brea if you are in los angeles or shopdoer.com the stuff really is comfortable and you should check it out all right we mentioned that uh you know if you if you stop by the the show um, at the, the, the live show that we're doing uh, we're, with our mailbag, with our friends at Dewar. You get to be part of it. And look who's here. It's Alan, Full Metal Hash. You guys know him from the chat board at Lockdown Lakers on YouTube, one of our most active participants. He lives in Hollywood, and he was kind enough to stop by, and therefore he gets to start asking questions. All right, a couple of questions. First one, um, on Pat Beverly, because he's not a traditional point guard, would it be like a total disaster or would it be better uh, to move him to the shooting guard position and then maybe find a traditional point guard? Because he is a solid 3 and D guy and why not just put him on that 3 and D position and then uh, that'll take away his his lack of, you know, uh, traditional point guard. Honestly, I in certain respects, I don't think it matters because your point guard is going to be LeBron at, at the end of the day. Hey, Patrick Beverly is going to be a point guard in a lot of ways because he's six foot one and that's the position that you label the guy that's six foot one lebron is going to be the primary playmaker when he's out there the overwhelming majority of the times unless what darvin ham has talked about with really running the offense through anthony davis starts turning into more of anthony davis running offense like really being like a hub for certain sets things like that but either way I think Patrick Beverly has always been planned on being more of a secondary ball handler, secondary playmaker, floor spacer, that sort of thing, which in certain respects, it, it's kind of like the way Derek Fisher, you know, in in the, the Kobe years was technically the starting point guard. But in a lot of respects, Kobe did more point guard duties than Fish ever did. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a defensive thing. It's like he's he can function as a two offensively. Um it's really, you know, how you arrange the floor defensively and who he who guards which position. Because it's six one, he, as good of a defender as as he is, Pat Bev can only pick up certain guys. I mean, he's he's pretty versatile for six one. He he can defend up size wise. He can, but like he can't. There's there's a limit to that, and you have to be. It's really an awareness of who you put him with, more than it is about about traditional kind of positional allotment. So he could, I think, he'll function. A lot as a two. Um, I think though Alan raises Alan raises though an interesting question about just the overall function and value of a traditional point guard paired with LeBron, because you know, and, and Russ is an extreme version of this, but Russ is the only real high end traditionally defined point guard that has been with LeBron, certainly with the Lakers, and 
in a lot of ways you see like the the diminishing returns that come when that guy can't play off ball when that guy can't hit outside shots like chris paul for example would have to make massive adjustments playing with lebron but at least you know chris paul can find you right it matters which ball. it's it's which kind you know exactly. you, you need it's a point guard who isn't russ i'm <laughs> in that in many ways all right more questions from alan um let's go with this one um so if we do get uh miles turner would that be the best uh, shot blocking front court between him, AD, and then LeBron? Of course, LeBron, Mr. Block from behind. I couldn't believe he got there. So he's good too with blocking. Would that be the best three trio up front when it comes to shot blocking? Off the top of my head, I wonder if Cleveland with Jared Allen and, and Evan Mobley um, could potentially give them a run for their money. I'd have, yeah, I'd have to look. But, but it. it it, you know, and I think you asked a question too, like about just like the the quality of the defense, like how good it could get with with those guys. And I think you know you have to add the backcourt improvement of Pat Beverly, which makes a difference. You know, part of what people I, I am a bigger sort of supporter of Rudy Gobert, I think, than a lot of other people are, in part because he gets penalized a lot for just how terrible Utah's perimeter defense was last year. So. It makes you know your bigs are dependent to some degree on how you know how good they can look on what your perimeter defense looks like, and I will say, I don't know if the Lakers would be elite because I just the, the gap between where they were last year and where they would need to be to get elite is so big. But if you can go Pat Beverly, just hypothetical lineup: Pat Beverly, Austin Reeves, LeBron, AD, Miles Turner. That actually profiles as a pretty good defensive starting five. Like I, that's not even like, Hey, if you, if you think maybe this happens or maybe that, like that should be a good defensive starting five because, you know, you know, Austin Reeves, very smart positionally, Pat, Bev, very smart positionally and incredible activity, Andy, between those two guys up front. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we do have to remember, like last year's defense was disastrous. And like you mentioned before, Brian, the, the gap between, last year and what would constitute top 10 defense we'll say or top He's, five or top so whatever you get this team's gonna have to get way up there to, right. to really contend but it's important to remember the scenario that alan's describing which the lakers end up getting miles turner on top of having already acquired patrick beverly with anthony davis presumably healthy because without that he's he is the best defender defensive presence that they have that's a totally different team. Yes. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the gap is really big, but you're not looking to fill the gap with the same team as last year that would be incapable of doing it. Like, however much better that theoretical team is than you know than last year's remains to be seen, but it's pretty obvious they'd be way the hell better. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's, it's and that's the biggest argument. I mean, that was, I mean, now the Kyrie thing's off the table, but that was always the the biggest argument for that trade over the Kyrie trade is the the two-way improvement that it makes. I right, got one more? Yeah, I do. Um, I, sorry, kind of a fun question, uh, I guess, for the Cam brothers and for anybody at home listening. So if there was a... Those at home listening, you're always allowed to play. <laughs> if there was a playoffs, uh, and these are the four teams, so you got the 72 Lakers, uh, 1988 Lakers, 2002 Lakers, and 2020 Lakers. Which team comes out on top, and then which which of those teams would be your personal favorite besides coming out on top of those playoffs? 
I mean, personal favor for me is easy. It's the Kobe Shack. I mean, it, I'm most familiar. <clears throat> excuse me, most familiar with those teams on a game in game out watching basis. They won a lot for all the drama that was attached to them, and at times that drama could get unpleasant. On the court, they were just they were a wrecking force. They were unbelievable. And they were a lot – I have a lot of personal fun memories attached to watching those guys. So, for me, Brian, that's the answer. Yeah, and it's hard. It's like, you know, you go back to 88. Like, I I wasn't steeped in watching those. Like, so, you know, and so my – I could be wrong. Like, I don't, I'm not even sure I would necessarily pick 88 as the best of those teams of the Showtime era. Um, it, it ain't a bad one. Um, but, you know, the, the, those Shaq teams, I would love – to see what that looks like. And I gotta say, like prime Shaq paired with basically prime Kobe. I you know, you could question whether there's enough shooting on that team and all that kind of stuff, just because the way the games are played now and all that. I, I think people forget what Shaq looked like. Like there's such a the big the role of the big man has changed so much since then. Um, like people forget what Shaq was. And I, I would. I, I. I'm kind of inclined to say I think that team would win. Although, you know, the prime Showtime teams. If you kind of equalize for everybody is like inflation. You have to do like for inflation. Like everybody's the same weight. Everybody's in the same level of shape. Got the strength and all. I kind of feel like maybe those Showtime teams. You pick the best one. The one that you think is, might win. But prime Shaq, prime Kobe. It's tough to me. It it really comes down to does Kareem have more problems with Shaq or does Shaq have more problems with Kareem? Because they're both incredibly dominant on the inside, but they're such different players. Yeah, that it would be incredibly fascinating to watch. I would just like to watch all of them play each other, like you know, like just sort of like some sort of real simulated tournament. Forget like how they play against the rest of the league. But just how they would play against it'd be like it'd be like an MCU, but with basketball, where exactly. we get all these like different universes <laughs> together at once. Like what it's like when all the Spider Men ended up in the last movie together. Exactly. All right, Alan. Thank you so much for coming by, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks for being part of the show. Uh, we'll keep uh, unloading the mailbag next. Uh, thanks again to Alan for for stopping by, and we got more questions to burn through. But before that, Andy, let's 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 give away more stuff. We've got one more prize pack, uh, a doer outfit to give away, along with I believe this one comes with a Ticketmaster gift card, so you can like go attend an event, um, and or wherever you are, you'll be able to go attend the event of your choice. Uh, Andy, pull out one more name. Here is the winner. The winner is. Oh, hey, the Doncast at Metal Hoopshead. Long time. Uh, this is actually cool. He's been a long time listener of ours, long time reader of ours. So that's awesome. All right. So, uh, reach out to us at Cam Brothers on Twitter uh, or KamineskiBrothers at gmail.com. And that is congratulations way to get to the show. Um, all right. So thanks again to all the folks at Dewar for um, outfitting us mm-hmm. with prizes to give away. No, not you know, oh. also for literally outfitting. I mean, they did outfit us. Okay. Outfitting us with prizes. Um, all right, let's keep going with the mailbag. We got a bunch of stuff that we still want to uh, to get through here. Um, we'll start here with uh, at uh, from Jason at, at average gamer XB. Um, what does the post LeBron Lakers future look like based on what you know today? Is there a path to a quick turnaround? 
This is an interesting question. And in a lot of ways, Brian, this depends on how long the LeBron era lasts. Uh huh. Um, how long we're going to be doing this, how much of their limited assets, if not all of them, are traded along the way to enhance said LeBron era. Um, I mean, the potentially cleanest. There's a lot of implica There's a lot of implications in the question. There's, yes. There are assumptions that are made in the question. Right. Uh, the, the most notably being there will be some sort of collapse once okay. LeBron is gone. The potentially, in my mind, cleanest path to a quick turnaround would be after 2024, LeBron and AD both leave. You know, LeBron has decided he's going to either retire or he's playing with Bronny on a different team. Anthony Davis has decided for whatever reason he'd like to play elsewhere. The Lakers have a boatload of cap space. Quite possibly nobody else on the books or nobody that matters. couple of superstars collude to become Lakers and boom, you are back in the mix, but with new faces, kind of a new ready-made team. You fill in around those two colluding stars um, and with with new guys using that excess space. Where it gets complicated, though, is, okay, 2024 rolls around. Bronny's doing an extra year of college. LeBron says, you know what? I want to do another one plus he's, one. He's a double major, and he just yeah. wants to get as many credits as he he's can. decided he wants to dance. Right. <laughs> so LeBron wants to do another one plus one. And AD decides, you know what? If Bron's here, I'm going to stick around. And then you have to make this decision about 31-year-old Anthony Davis. Are you giving him a full max? Another one of those taking him into his mid-30s. Yeah. With a lot at that point, a lot of money. But this is this is this is why this is why I have said that I I I question the value, the relative value of these picks. They're they're and why I I I've seen some comments, you know, these picks, you know, number one picks, it's two of them they're giving away. They should be able to get a lot for them. They're so far out in the future that no team can project. The Lakers could absolutely suck for two years after, you know, and actually rebuild fast enough to make certainly that potential, that 2029 pick, not all that valuable. It could be back into the late 20s or whatever it might be. And so I, I part of, I think, my logic behind go ahead and, go all the way in as opposed to most of the way in, which is what they are now, is because I don't think ultimately those two picks have as much value as perhaps some people might think they do because it's so hard to project them. Like they could be incredibly valuable, but 2029 is a long way away. The Lakers can go through full cycles of, of, of winning and well, you know, hopefully winning and then rebuilding and then rebuilding again before either of those picks um, come to fruition. So it is, I mean, I would say the short answer is, yeah, sure. There's the Lakers. There's always a path to a quick turnaround. They're the Lakers. Um, but it's not, there's given. Like, I just, I think the era of just as, you know, they made the, they made advance past the first round of the playoffs once in nine years. Yeah. They made the most of it. They want to tighten. But the track record over the last decade is not good. The idea that you can assume that it's just going to be fine is not a especially great especially too because the track record we've seen since 2013 and Kobe's Achilles tear and where you knew the Lakers were at a crossroads of some kind is a refusal to lean into a true rebuild. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, the, the cleanliness of what comes next, the speed of what comes next, the effectiveness of what comes next is in certain ways tethered to how many different options are you willing to take as a franchise to build towards something sustainable or to get yourself back into that mix again. If you are largely just looking for something ready-made, that might be quicker, but it's, it's and also, but, but like they, they may only have that option because sure. you, the, 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 a true rebuild, so to speak, requires draft picks and requires stuff to trade for draft picks and all that. And depending on what the timeline that you're talking about, they may not have an avenue nope. in any of this stuff. It is opaque, I think <laughs> is a good word to describe the future. If you want to stretch out, there are teams where you could look three or four or five years down the road and feel really good about potentially where they might go. And there are teams where you might be a little more nervous and a little more uh, skeptical about a, a clean path to you know sustained success. The Lakers are in that last group. There's zero question to me about that. Doesn't mean they can't be good. It just means it's not it's not an easy projection to make. Um, let's do this from Slick Van Syke at old young at young old timer with the possibility with the possible uh, trade in getting Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Wouldn't the Turner part be a little redundant because of the stretch five shooting we already have with Thomas Bryant and the rim protection we get with Jones? Even though I like that trade, um, Slick, you answered your own question. You know why you like the trade? Because Miles Turner is better than Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones. That's why you actually like the right, he's not as good a, he's not as good a shooter as as Bryant theoretically theoretically it's what Bryant at least has shown he's capable of. Miles right. Turner's more of a 33 34% right. guy, you know, but, but he's a better player. He's a much better player. He's a better player. So it doesn't become redundant. And he's got a surprisingly effective. He's not just a stretcher. Like he he can score a little bit inside. He's gonna yeah. he's a good player. But he's just he's better than either one of those guys. Yeah. So it's it's not redundant because you're getting a guy who's better than the other two players. If they were all at the same level, sure, but they're not. It, it probably means a situation where they have an extra center that they may or may not need, but that's right. not the worst. Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones might think it's redundant. <laughs> like, <laughs> I suspect they're not as big of fans as yeah, the idea. They, because, they probably take a lot of issue with it. You no, know, because uh, they, they are, are hoping to reestablish higher value and get a better deal uh, next right. year, unlikely from the Lakers, which um, this is kind of part of the problem with how their, their roster is constructed. Uh, one more before we, we take a break here. Uh, this from uh, Jericho Jones at Iman K424. How will the new take foul rule affect the Lakers' transition game? Um, I mean, the way it worked before, if you had a take foul during transition, it was just a personal foul, and it it ended up a side out um, in most cases. what Where I think this is going to affect the Lakers now is moving forward, it results in the team that was fouled getting a free throw, and it can be taken by any player in the game at the time of the foul. And you retain possession. Foul is obviously assessed to the guy who committed it. So, A, the Lakers are a team that really wants to run a lot. And you're incentivizing the running there. But also, there are a few guys on this team who could be involved with that that have not always been reliable at the line. Russell Westbrook, if he is on the team, clearly is somebody that is in transition that you don't want at the line. LeBron, last season notwithstanding, where he was actually about 76%. LeBron has been shaky at times. Anthony Davis inexplicably turned into a bad free throw shooter last year. So if something in the water, it happens to good it happens to good three point shooters. 
look, last year, with everything going so just completely off the rails, why not Anthony Davis become unable to make free throws? I mean, you might as well just toss it into the mix. So in theory, if there are issues with those three guys, but Kendrick Nunn is on the floor, or Lonnie Walker is on the floor, or Patrick Beverly, or Austin Reeves, you know, better free throw shooters, those guys can take it. So the Lakers become further incentivized to run. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately... It's. I wonder how much it's going to matter. I mean, the the whole point of this, because it's you know you it's a free throw, it's the possession, it's all. It is you are highly incentivized to not take the take foul to eliminate that, and that's really essentially what the NBA is doing. So I guess teams that run will have a little bit more freedom to do it quickly without you know being held up and all that kind of. It's a good rule. It's a good rule change from the NBA. You know, you just. You 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 are making it so, you know the stuff that people want to see they can't. And every once in a while, you'll see somebody, you know, make that play and do it just because you know for whatever reason it is. It's an emergency. It's uh, whatever. But I think ultimately, what you you know the idea is you won't see much of it at all. Which, I, so in that sense, I, it's hard for me. I don't know what the answer to that question is, other than teams that run should be able to run with less interference. Um, they might I just think there's particularly a few possible upsides for the Lakers if if it doesn't end up a complete. In the moments where in the moments where it becomes something that happens, the Lakers mm -hmm. will benefit. Yep. Um, more than they, they they stand to benefit more than they otherwise would have. Like I think said, like because they can not shoot free throws. Um, all right, we have, we we didn't get through everything. We didn't get through even close to everything because we had so many questions. Um, so we're going to do another mailbag episode. Yes. We're going to come back to the second mailbag episode. Um, so more questions, more of your mail uh, coming up next. Reminder, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you go to see all the, the fun stuff. Um, you can interact with us there. It's a great channel uh, with a lot of really good uh, people who have been commenting on a good community that's developing around there. Uh, make another Locked On podcast or a second listen of every day. Thanks again to our friends at Doer for hosting us uh, for this show and the one that will be coming up next. Thanks Locked to Alan for dropping by. Alan for dropping by. Locked On 15 is how you use the discount code, whether at the Doer store, 170 South La Brea, or Shop Doer online. We'll see everybody next time.